Welcome to Crawl Space. What we're about to play is a live gossip pod that we recorded on Facebook from this Thursday with the one and only Sarah Turney from Voices for Justice. And of course, her sister is missing person from Phoenix, Arizona, Alyssa Turney. So we talk about that case. We talk a bit about the Erica Franilich case and read some YouTube comments. Thanks a lot. And join us next week. We're going to do it again live Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. We are live on the Gossip Pod. I am Tim Polari of Crawl Space, being joined by Lance Reinsterna and the one and only Sarah Turney. What's going on, you guys? Hey! How's it going? Good. Just enjoying quarantine. How's your quarantine going, Sarah? You keeping busy? Always. Honestly, quarantine isn't a whole lot different from my normal life because all I do is sit in my house and work anyway. So it's it's very similar. But now there's so much more like communication with friends over video. So it's actually I'm more social in quarantine, believe it or not. No, I believe that totally. There's so many stories that I've been hearing where people are saying how it hasn't really changed them uh, as far as like their day to day interactions. Um but it's made them actually more more social. It's made yeah. them actually want to talk to people. Uh, get that get that uh, you know that that human element back in their life. I just got a call today from one of my high school friends. A phone call from one of my high school friends, and it took me a second to like comprehend the name. I was, and someone that I know really well, and it just took me a second to. Um, think is this somebody associated with a, a missing person? Is this a cop? Is this a jerk? I'm like, oh, oh, it's it's you from high school. Oh, it's like a normal person calling me. Weird. I know. <laughs> I know it's not related to some ongoing case. Trying to place it. So many names uh, rattling around in our heads um, all the time. Uh, with two episodes a week. But uh, Sarah Turney, tell us what is going on with your show, Voices for Justice, and what have you been covering lately on that show? Sure. Um, so it's about to take a really cool turn, and I'm really excited about it. So this next episode is going to be all about Thomas Heimer, um, which for me is like, I don't know, it, it's just good for me to present all sides, right? So Thomas Heimer is the man that falsely confessed to killing Alyssa. Um, but there's right. a lot behind it. And it like for a second, when I was reading through the papers, like I was texting friends and calling them like, oh, my God, like I think this guy could have could have killed Alyssa. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to share that journey of, of how I was really scared that it could have been him. I mean, I think, you know, we, we all know how the story is kind of told. Right. It's ultimately not him. But there's some some compelling evidence that I want to put in there to to feature that. I think it's only fair. Um, but then, yeah, after that, we're going to get into um, essentially the police telling me they're not going to prosecute. And then my whole battle with the police, which is that story has never been told in depth. Um, so I'm really excited and really nervous for that. Um, I haven't spoken that much about the police, so it'll be interesting to see if, if they have any feedback, if they'll say anything. Uh, yeah, I, I'm getting into this point where it's, like I said, more about the police. So I feel it's going to be less emotionally draining as opposed to talking about, you know, the, the horrible things I think happened to Alyssa it's kind of cool to get into this different, um, the different subject of it, you know, me advocating. So I'm excited. Yeah. And now you said you haven't really gotten into the depth of your experience with the police. Did I miss that? You, you just said that, right? That you haven't really gotten into the depth of your experience with the police. Yeah. No. I mean, 
know, tweet something here or there. Shocking that yeah. they say, but as far as the entire story being told in full, no, then there's a lot there. That's incredible because I feel like I feel like there's so much that we hear already to think that that's just the tip of the iceberg is incredible. Yeah. Well, I have a bunch of audio, too. So look forward to that. This is what I've been holding on to it for. You know, I keep saying I have emails, I have audio and you're going to hear me read the emails. You're going to hear that audio and, you know, people can judge for themselves if they think the police acted correctly or, or not. And you're going to hear it right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Roll tape. <laughs> Roll tape. You should have told me. I would have. I would have. I would always give you guys an exclusive. You know that. Yeah, exclusives. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Sarah, of course, uh, your podcast, Voices for Justice, is about your missing sister, Alyssa Turney. She's been missing since May seventeenth, two thousand one, from Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, your journey is quite remarkable. Anyone who is not following your journey, shame on you. Um, no, just shame, kidding. Not shame sh- on you. But, shame. Uh, but but you should definitely start following Sarah's journey because it is incredible. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm excited. I think the case is in a cool spot and podcast is definitely helping. I have yes. to refrain myself uh, because every time I start complimenting Sarah, I, I go to a point where I'm like, I need to wrap it up now. We like to I don't know how to wrap it up. Other. It's our favorite thing. <laughs> it, it is. It is one of the be- better pastimes that that we have. Still one of my favorite memories from CrimeCon. Me and you just being stopped in our tracks. Like, whatever. There's, like, I think, like, uh, the captain was there. And obviously, like, Tim was there. And it was just me and you locked eyes. Like, what is happening right now? Are we meeting <laughs> each other? I, I don't matter, I guess. Sorry, Tim. You do matter. It's like a hero, really. But you guys are my heroes. I, you know, and I always say this, you know, Missing Maura Murray was the, the first podcast I listened to. So to meet you guys in real life was like, you know, you guys were celebrities to me, just like John Lorden. Like, you guys just uh, stopped me in my tracks. I couldn't believe it. I know, John Lorden. It's a Speaking of stopping in our tracks, yeah. yeah. You did, please don't mention his name on these airwaves. It's only uh, been like four minutes and already we got we to gotta, we gotta sing the praises of John Lorden. He worms his way into everything. <laughs> he really does. We've started calling him John the Lord Lorden because uh, he can do no wrong. He's never sinned. Or if he has, um, you know, he's been forgiven he did it by for now. You. If he sinned, he did it for you. And and also the, because the Lord giveth and the Lord done can take it away, as we <laughs> as we all know. Except John. Lo- so John Lord might be the Lord's Lord because he's never going to take anything away from anybody. It's true. He's only going to provide. He is a he is a vengeful, spiteful deity. But <laughs> I am still a little concerned that he might be artificial intelligence. It's just a theory I'm working on, and I, I do feel like the gossip pod is the right place to workshop this theory. Um, <laughs> we we did speak recently, um, just the other day, just this week, about some technical uh, support that that I needed from John Lorden, and. He gave it pretty much without without a hitch, but but I will say there was kind of a tell there. As we were conversing, uh, there was a button that said "Use Computer Audio," and I was like, "John, I can't I can't see it," and he's like, "I can't hear you," and I'm like, "I I don't know what what's going on. I'm checking my my preferences. I can't see." So we're chatting, and he's like, "You know what's going on? Share your screen." And so he's like, "Well, try clicking the button that says Join with Computer Audio." It's like, oh, okay, I did that and it worked, but <laughs> he's a magician. Yeah, it was like it was a test, you know, because I, what I did was a very human error, you know, 
And so he's not going to be able to to tell that right from unless he sees my screen like at being artificial intelligence and not a human. Right. He doesn't relate to that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Let's be real. He can already see your screen. He is all seeing. It was just a front. He just wanted to, you know, get in there. We're all going to rip our masks off right now. And we're all John Lorden. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, John Lorden of Brain Scratch. The guy does incredible uh, work. Yeah, um, yeah we love him uh, a lot. And uh, Diane Rose is here in the chat room. She says, hey, guys. She says, what's up, Sarah? Hi. And uh, Mike Mike Jones is also in the chat room. He says, what's up, guys? My favorite podcasters. I favorite assume he's talking about Sarah Turney. Yep. Mike Jones, who? Mike Jones. Thank you, Lance. Thank the, you. <laughs> the Mike Jones. Don't act like you don't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have his phone number. and uh so sarah last week on missing maura murray and on crawl space we released uh, a double a two-parter episode on both channels and we did it to cause the biggest uh, amount of attention that we we possibly could with our uh with our feeds and it was about a missing woman named erica franelich who went missing from middleburg new york in 1986 and we had on two private investigators who have been working for uh, the case pro bono uh, for PIs for the Missing, which, uh, as you know, is uh, Bruce Maitland's nonprofit, Private Investigations for the Missing. And so these two episodes, they dropped and a lot of information about Erica's husband at the time of her disappearance uh, was never public before. Um, those private investigators, Greg Overacker and Lou Barry, um, dug that up and put that out there. And it, it was quite amazing to really kind of go pointed at, at one person, similar to what you're doing on your podcast. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we kind of took, took a page from you, I would say with, um, with that approach in, um, just sort of unabashedly. Uh, going after this uh, Richard Frenelich and and really kind of making sure that his neighbors um, know what about his past. Oh, I love that! My goodness, seeing a page out of my book. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it looks like a duck and you know walks like a duck, and yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like you just you have to. There's no beating around the bush. And I'm not a professional journalist, obviously. So like all those ethics and things, kind of you know, I, I feel like getting the message out about what the truth is, is like above all for me. Like, I don't, you know, if there's enough evidence, especially in my case, and it sounds like in that case as well, I feel like, why not? Why not just discuss the elephant in the room? Well, here's the, here's the issue. Uh, this has been going on since October of 1986 when Erica went missing and she would be, she'd be almost 60 years old at uh, currently. And her husband at the time, Richard uh, has, done all of the telltale signs of someone who uh, has no uh, motivation to look for someone who gave birth to one of his children. You know, he's he's lawyered up. He hasn't um, led any searches. Uh, and we actually, w- Tim wasn't being uh, hyperbolic when he said his neighbors, we want his neighbors to hear, literally his neighbor heard the show and said, I'm his neighbor. Wow. Messaged and said, I'm his neighbor. Uh, it's... It just all, and we. This is for everybody who we talk about as far as like a person of interest for anything. The, there's an open door policy, like it's out there. You're the person you were with who gave birth to your child who's missing, 
who's been missing since 1986 is now being covered again. Like you can talk about this if you're if you got nothing to hide, talk about it. Nothing's going to get right. you in trouble at this point. Have you reached out to him at all? We haven't yet. Um, but, but the organization through the private investigation in private mm-hmm. investigators did, and Greg Overacker has said that that conversation didn't go didn't really go uh, that well. And he actually called back to to apologize and say, "Hey, I think we might have got off on the wrong foot." Uh, Greg's been doing this his whole life. Like Greg. Had, Greg knows how to handle everybody from, you know, when you're when you're repossessing a car to returning some like taking a puppy that's outside because it's freezing to death. He's got a story where he rescued a puppy, for God's sake. Like this is a guy who knows how to handle situations. And and, you know, he he didn't he didn't go in guns blazing on a phone call to Richard. Richard Richard backed backed against the wall and, and reacted the way. Uh, animals do when they're backed against the wall, and and Greg even followed it up with a phone call saying we might have got off on the wrong foot, but he didn't get he didn't get any information from him. Wow, I believe it though. I mean, I, I apologize because I haven't listened to the episode. Now I I have to. What? Um, but oh, someone's I'm, too big d- for for us now. <laughs> I've been like crazy busy in quarantine, more busy than I have been for a very long time. Uh, but no, I really want to listen to it. Cause I still, I, I enjoy listening to you guys, but so was he cooperating with police at all? Has he been officially interviewed? Like, what did that look like when it first happened? Were they together? Were they divorced? Like, what's that background look like? They were um, together. It was a tumultuous marriage and um, she wasn't reported missing until February. She went, she went missing in October and wasn't reported missing until February. Mm-hmm. Um, he claims he put her on a bus and that was the last he saw her. Um, but, uh, but Greg and Lou, uh, have, have evidence that that is not true. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of it. I mean, uh, you know, there have been some searches on the Franelich property, uh, and there's been a lot of rumors about that he may have, um, buried her on that property. Um, but to date they have not found her. Wow. There's three sections of that property, and correct me if I'm wrong. I might get this backwards. Three sections of that property that was owned by the by that family, and two of those plots have been sold, so they still retain ownership of one plot. Okay, that's right, and it's still a pretty big um, chunk of land. Still. Oh yeah. By me saying one plot, I'm not saying it's like tiny. Like I'm pretty sure it's it's many, many, many acres. That's yeah. I, I don't know the exact uh, uh, the actual uh, size. Maybe of like. It. Th- three or something like that yeah uh, um, but i'm not good at math what was the what was the what was the status of uh he he was interviewed by police i don't know um like where that i mean i don't know if he was officially like stamped as cleared i'm not i don't think so oh definitely not cleared um yeah i i think the case is has stalled because you know they didn't find her um yeah not because uh not because he got cleared and it's um, a mystery, uh, like a great mystery or anything. I mean, is her family involved? They are. They they are from Michigan, so um, that made it a lot. That complicated the immediate search um, and I think putting pressure on the police a little bit. But uh, but we are communicating with them now, and uh, that's one of the things I wanted to um, discuss here with you, Sarah. Is that uh, a lot of her family was commenting on the uh, the video, the the episode, the podcast episodes that we did, and uh, one of them here, uh, Pete says uh, says he is Erica's brother. Um, and of course, Erica is uh, is the missing woman. He says, "I'm grateful for Crawlspace for posting this. Uh, I do very much believe that her husband Richard is guilty of her being missing." And then he says, "And for his son uh, committing suicide in 2006." 
um, which there has been some speculation about that. And, and, uh, I know he was, uh, just a, um, I think he was like, I want to say 18 or 20 or something like that. When, when Ricky jr, uh, their son committed suicide. So that is sort of a tra- well, a very tragic element, um, to all this. And I think there's, there's no, um, official evidence or suspicion in that as far as like the coroner's report, medical examiner's report goes, but that has been brought up a lot lately um, by locals and by uh, certain family members. Right. And you don't, we don't want to say that there was any, um, uh, we don't want to say that it was murder covered up as a, as a suicide, uh, but indirectly, if this relationship between Erica and Richard wasn't as tumultuous and if, Erica. So let's just say Erica disappeared on her own accord because the relationship was so bad. The other scenario is that Richard did something to her. Whatever the case, she's gone. Her son, their son now has uh, significant, um, significant issues that he needs to deal with. He ends up taking his own life. Um, He had suspicions about his father and, and Erica and even his stepmother and how they might have been covering things up. And this isn't um, talking out of school here. This is a letter that just is public. You can we, we posted that on the on the Crawl Space Twitter. And um, Greg even read that on uh, on the episode. Uh, Sarah, do you have any advice for because you're in a very similar situation uh, going like interacting with family members on behalf of and, you know, to to condemn another family member. And he was before his tragic end, he was in a a very similar position, having suspicions and wanting to speak out. Yeah. I mean, despite what you see me go through, I always advise people like try to work with law enforcement. If you can go to them and see where the case is standing, try to work with them. Will they reopen it? Will they look into it? Will they reassign somebody else? And then from there, you kind of have to just gather information and see what the right plan of attack is. Um, I think, a lot of times it's media, especially in these older cases. It's kind of like your only option if the police won't do anything. But, you know, I do urge people to be careful about not releasing information that might be um, that might hurt the case, of course. So I think that that's where that partnership with law enforcement comes in. You kind of want because I still do the same thing. I, I tell police, you know, like if there's anything you see me post that I shouldn't be or might hurt the case. Please let me know if there's something you don't want me to talk about. Please tell me in advance. And I'm happy to not put that out there like I have that open line of communication with them, believe it or not. Um, so I definitely stress that. But yeah, I mean, if, if they want to seek that route and they want to do media, um, start reaching out to people. And being on crawl space is a huge start for them, for sure. Um, and of course, like my door is always open if they wanted to ask me specific questions or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would just encourage them to work with law enforcement. And then if media feels like the appropriate route, just start going for it. Um, I find that posting very shocking, but of course, truthful things <laughs> gains a lot of traction. I think when you can go, when you can make people go kind of like, what? Um, it, it's a really good reaction to get because it gets people thinking and it makes them look more into the case. Because I think people get really upset when there's a very grave injustice right in front of them. When you see something like OJ or Casey Anthony or these, you know, very big cases where you feel like, you know, the answer is right there. Nobody's listening. Um I think that's kind of the best way to frame your case to, to get attention. That would be my advice. It's great advice. It's great advice. Um, how do you advise people to deal with it mentally? Like, how do you separate if they're if they're going after their own family? How do you make that? Uh, how do you compartmentalize that? It's hard. I mean, it depends on the family, right? I don't think that there's any way to prepare you for the feelings that you'll have, and you know, everybody's different, and. 
for me, it was a really long journey of evolving. You know, when I first did like the Missing Alyssa podcast, for instance, you know, we would have these conversations almost daily and it would wipe me out. It would be my entire day. We maybe talked on the phone for an hour, but I was done for the day. Um, Fast forward, my goodness, three or four years later or whatever it is now, um, I can do three interviews in a day and then go cook dinner and be fine for the night. It's kind of like a tolerance you have to build up for talking about the case, as terrible as that that might sound. I think over time, as you tell the story again and again, and all these horrible, shocking facts, you kind of become hardened to it. And it, for me, it, it becomes easier to talk about. And of course, like, be kind to yourself. If you feel like you need to take a break, take that break. Do not force yourself to do it. Take time for yourself. Listen to your body. Listen to your mind or heart or whatever you believe in. And, and trust yourself and, you know, be forgiving. If you can't make that interview or you break down and, you know, it's really hard for you, that's, that's okay. Love yourself, forgive yourself. And and when it comes to, you know, family in, inner family dynamics or whatever, just, I mean, I was very open with my family. This is what I'm doing. I respect it if you don't like it. Um, end of story. Uh, but, you know, I, I think you do have to make that choice and realize that if you fight for this, your family might be against it. And that might mean that you don't have that family anymore. So it's definitely a choice you, you have to make it. And, you know, I made it. I was like, okay, no, nobody's on my side. Peace out. I don't want you there anyway. Um, but I'm a different person. <laughs> so yeah. it just, it depends. It really does depend. But yeah, just forgive yourself and love yourself and take it, take it easy. There's another comment here um, from Loretta. Loretta says, Erica Franelich was married to my cousin, Ricky. I was very young when she disappeared and have always wondered what happened to her. There has always been a lot of speculation within my family. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, talk, that's, talk to your family. Yeah. Decide if you want to go on this media crusade. I mean, I think media opens up huge doors for these types of cases. Media has changed Alyssa's case forever. You know, you saw it with Making a Murderer. You saw it with, you know, Adnan Syed. Um, media makes a difference. I don't. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish you could just, like go to the court and be like, Hey, this is really messed up. Will you look into this? And then they're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, no problem. Um, but it's just, yeah. that's just not the way it works. Yeah. We got a uh, Christina Bazonski buddy there. She says, Hey, hello, Christina. Thanks for joining. And we have, um, we have, uh, Esther Hilton <laughs> who, um, graced the airwaves and, uh, she's letting you know again that you are a, an iconic queen. Oh, Esther, Esther, what took you so long to get here? We are so graced with your presence. Oh my gosh, I love yes. Esther. We, uh, we recorded a pretty epic uh, Patreon with uh, Esther Hilton uh, just this week. You can check that out at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. It was so good. And Tim, what t- yes. it's 329 right now. What time is it in uh, Esther's neck of the woods? Oh, is this a test? Um, I will say 830 or 829. Could be. I think so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, she, she said she would gladly trade her sister um, for you, uh, Sarah, <laughs> which I think was one of my favorite moments of the, uh, the Patreon episode. It was maybe, maybe made me laugh the hardest. It seems like you, you follow Sarah Turney. I believe you've compared her to um, uh, Princess Diana. And Marilyn Monroe. okay what is it about sarah turney that uh makes you feel that way oh i mean just what not what is not to love about sarah like she's literally sister goals like i would honestly swap my sister for sarah (laughs) (laughs) like in a heartbeat 
She's just she's so lovely as well. She's so sweet. Oh, I love her. She sends me like these sometimes like the memes. Like to me, the memes are so funny. Like I love like I can laugh about this all day. You know what I mean? Like I post funny stuff about it. I, I just have to laugh about it. And she sends me these like memes that I think other people would find like wildly inappropriate. So I can't post them, but I love them dearly and hold them close to my heart. And so sometimes I'll post them and other times I'm like, ooh, like I think people might might hate me for it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I appreciate her. Like it's so cool to find someone that can laugh with you about it and just how ridiculous the situation is. So she's my favorite. I, I love her. Yeah, she is so funny. Her style, I, I have to say, I think we told her this too. It it did like at first when we first started seeing her posts about crawl space, um, you know, we thought we thought we were being trolled. Like we thought <laughs> there was just like all sarcasm there. Turns out there is mostly it's mostly sarcasm, but um she does still love the shows and and you and uh the other things that she uh you know talks glowingly about. Yeah, and her hate for Marie Claire. I saw that she posted that uh Carol Baskin is the CEO of Marie Claire or something, Claire, the editor in chief. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she's on a tirade against Marie Claire because they um they named the greatest uh podcasts or whatever and um and did not include Crawl Space and uh and so she's on a a, a one woman uh, scorched earth tour um about Marie Claire. Clearly an oversight. Yeah, she she's she's even more upset that they did a second list as if to rub salt in the wound, still not including uh, Crawl Space. And she was so upset when she was at work, she went upstairs to the to the restroom and, and was shaking and crying in rage. <laughs> Esther says that her sister is actually named Claire, which is another reason why she wants to swap her for Sarah. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And uh, so back on the YouTube comments here for missing Erica Franilich, Lene says that Erica is her aunt. And she uh, just wanted to say um, thank you for not giving up on our family. And we are grateful uh, for the help. And please keep going. And Rick needs to be held accountable. It's been way too long. Please continue to share the hell out of this, she says. Oh, my gosh. Could this be season two of Voices for Justice? <laughs> Do oh. it. Oh. <laughs> So let's sign let's sign the paperwork on that right now. Let me draft up some paperwork real quick. Hold on. <laughs> draft up the paperwork. <laughs> we'll have your your agent. We'll uh we'll call our, our agent and uh, yeah we'll get season two going. If you if it sounds like me as like my agent, it's just because it sounds really similar. Like don't worry about it. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> And uh, I actually just got a call. Um, I wasn't able to answer because we are on live, but it, it is from Erica's sister, Nada, who we've been trying to connect with over the past couple of days um, via phone. She's located in Michigan, and we're going to have her on the show to discuss. Um, she is the one who corresponded with Ricky um, about uh, about and, and and wrote those letters, the ones that uh, that are now posted, or, or one of those is has been posted to uh, to our feed and. Um, so Greg Overacker has seen some of them, but it was Nada and Ricky Jr. who, who were corresponding. And that is how we know the information that 
um, Ricky believes that it was his dad who made his mom go missing. So and I wanna, pretty wild. I want to point out um, that there there is interaction here on the uh, on the YouTube comments. Uh, Lou, who is the police officer, the the uh, person of him and Greg are working on this pro bono through private investigations for the missing. Uh, someone had asked him if authorities had checked the basement of the buildings on Main Street close to the bar. Uh, can they search the records to see what buildings were abandoned in 1986 and, and search the basement? So they had they had um, legal questions about this, search questions about this. And and Lou himself actually wrote back and said, um, you know, if you had some info, uh, here's what you can do. You can email and he gives the email address. So this is all how private investigations for the missing is coming together and forming a template for future cases as well. It's this interactive, uh, inclusive environment. I love that, though. That is so cool. Like, Private Investigations for the Missing is just an amazing organization. I love watching it grow. I mean, that's amazing. I hope the family continues. I mean, that's super cool that there's so many people that are involved and, and want to help. It seems seems kind of obvious. So hopefully there's some movement there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty uh, It's pretty amazing. And, and Tanya here also, she says, I am Erica's niece. I was never able to meet her or my cousins. I only learned about Erica from a young age. She went missing the year I was born. The Paprafskis, that is uh, Erica's maiden name, uh, the Paprafskis will never stop looking for you. Even if the next generation has to take over, we will. We want to know what happened. We will not stop. Please share this. Thank you guys so much for this podcast and uh, for getting Erica's story out there. So pretty, pretty amazing um, family interaction on this case. And uh, hopefully, this, you know, it, it seems like the mystery part of this uh, isn't so much there um, at this point. It's kind of just like, let's get to the resolution now. You know, I understand that feeling. I'm sure you do. Michelle, who is involved with private investigations for the missing, she is a uh, prosecutor galore, uh, says private investigations for the missing loves you too, Sarah. Oh! love you michelle you're the best i was just i chat with michelle all the time she's the great greatest i love her me just like dying fangirling do you know that her her last name is pronounced kazube no did you know this no yeah. i've been avoiding her last name and your last name i'm not gonna lie <laughs> my last name is also pronounced kazube <laughs> um and uh yes we are doctors now tim and i have been uh awarded the uh, sought after uh, certificate of uh, we have a doctorate now. I don't. Yep. I don't. I think that's the technical thing to say. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like a lanyard you'd get um, <laughs> when you go to CrimeCon. Um, but yeah, we can. We'll wear those next week. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. It's somewhere yeah. in between the um, U.S. Marshal pin that Art Roderick gave me, which is up here. <laughs> Art Roderick, um, former U.S. Marshal, and you know, since this is the gossip pod, I feel like we need to say this. Uh, you know, if you're such good buddies with him, Lance, why hasn't he emailed us back? He's busy. Yeah, he's very busy, and he uh, he did email me. Uh, he likes to stick to text messages, which he just he just sent me one saying, uh, "Don't don't be offended. I I didn't email Tim, uh, and and he said he was going to touch base with you." Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're saying, so you're saying he, you're actually talking to Art Roderick. Um, uh, he, he, no, he texted a couple minutes ago. Uh, yeah, and he just said he was going to shoot an email, and he just, he didn't want me to be offended that he was leaving you out of it. Yeah. Well, I am offended. Uh, uh, let me you text him that. back. <laughs> and um, Melina Cantor, half of the True Crime Twins with Chloe Cantor, checked in. I um I was interviewed by them and doing their show was like so cool for me to be interviewed by sisters about what I do for my sister was like just a totally different experience. They're super nice. I love them. 
Sarah, you said that it was interesting to be interviewed by two sisters about your sister. And these two sisters happen to have a background in um, psychology and whatnot. What I mean, was there, was there any times where you just uh, well, I guess my question is, what types of questions had they asked you that you hadn't heard before? Or that hit hit closer to home for you? Gosh, it's been a while. I don't know if it was so much the questions, but like their reaction and just like how they're like, oh, like I can't imagine living without my sister. Of course, they're twins. So I know that, you know, it's a little bit different. They're a little bit closer, you know, by nature or whatever. But I think it was just, yeah, just like their reactions and stuff. I mean, I, I think they had excellent questions in terms of mental health. But um, yeah, I think it was just just hearing that, like, I got probably more emotional in that interview than I do in most. I don't often cry, but in that one, I remember getting getting pretty teary-eyed because I was like, look at these sisters coming together to help me and my sister. And, yeah, I think it was just a totally different experience. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah they do a great show. They really put that episode together really well. Um, and uh, they they also connected with Jenny Carreri, who um, I think you may know Sarah as well from uh, from Twitter. I'm not sure if you've met her in person. I don't think we have yet. Um, but her sister Jody Lacornu was uh, was murdered in Baltimore in I believe '94, and uh, and that was pretty interesting too. Kind of in the same way where you know you you have a missing sister. Obviously, Alyssa is uh, is not with you, and um, Jenny lost her sister. Obviously, you know much different circumstances, but a similar bond there. And I, I do like uh, how those two twin sisters can you know kind of commiserate. I think that's really cool. It's it's a great element to their show. There's something about sisters, like no offense to brothers or whatever, but it's always like, you know, I'm the sister of this person. I want to help them. You know, you look at um, Brandy Myers, her sister's advocating for her. Um, what is it? Uh, Mikkel Biggs, her sister. I mean, they're just all over the place. Us sisters are coming together to fight. Even um, in the case you were just mentioning, you said that the sister had written letters to the, the ex-husband or whatever to try to get things, yeah. you know, that communication going. Something about sisters, man. It's just so cool. Yeah, Kelsey German too yes. is uh yeah. How did I forget Kelsey? I feel so bad. Um Kelsey <laughs> Kelsey is amazing. My goodness. I can't imagine being her age and and doing all that. She's actually looking at um she asked me for extra handwriting samples of Alyssa because she's um she's studying it in class. She's doing a handwriting class and so she wanted oh. to get all of Alyssa's samples to to do that, you know, hands-on learning and I'm like I love you. Wow, that's very cool. So uh like handwriting to um determine like a personality trait you know like this person writes like this so this is what they this is what they were like or this is how they fit into certain categories yeah exactly so on voices for justice i just presented the handwriting analysis of Alyssa's, you know alleged runway note and she reached out to me and she was like listen like did anybody talk about the difference in her eyes and you know she had all these really specific questions um so yeah i, I think it's mostly right now i think you know she's still pretty early on in her studies um in terms of that but i think it's mostly personality and you know why would this person write this note and what does it you know mean about them what is your opinion on the note that uh, that Alyssa um, maybe wrote, but it it, it appeared um, when she went missing? But uh, you know, if she wrote it, it, it seems like she didn't write it at that same time. Oh, exactly. No, I believe it's from a different day altogether, and that comes from the handwriting expert said that um, it was very possible that her signature was written at a totally different time from the rest of the note. And just in terms of the context, you know, it says like dad and Sarah, when you dropped me off at school today, I decided I really am going to California. Sarah, you wanted me gone. Now you have it. Dad, I took $300 from you. That's why I saved my money. Alyssa. Um, not that I have that memorized or anything, but uh, 
so this note, um, yeah, the context is just all off. And a big point about it, too, is one of my brothers actually came out pretty recently and said, hey, like, I don't think anybody knows this. But Alyssa came to me about that $300 she took from dad. And it was before she went missing and she admitted to it and she felt really bad about it and she got in trouble for it. Um, so she didn't, it, that $300 wasn't taken for her to run away. That happened, you know, sometime before she was even gone. So that note makes no sense in any realm. I think it was found in her notebook. I think she was made to sign it and it was left there to make it look like a runaway. Wow. But you, you can kind of time that the note when the note was written then uh i know it's years ago obviously but when for when your brother had the interaction about three hundred dollars right yeah yeah i mean he's not sure because obviously it's been like 20 years or whatever since she's been gone uh, but he's like no that happened you know well before Alyssa was gone at least a few weeks that's crazy uh you had a uh, a tweet here that i uh, um i want to read it was from yesterday you said my father being off of probation is so much more unsettling than i expected it to be he could literally be anywhere doing anything to anyone uh what can you elaborate on this just a little bit yeah so you know my father got off of probation last month so he's been off for i mean just a few weeks now which means he's not being monitored he's not being you know they're not checking in um so essentially nobody knows where he's at. At this point, none of my brothers really speak with him. Um, so we don't know where he's at. We don't know what he's doing. He could be doing anything. Um, I did write to the police, you know, like, you know, in the chance that you would eventually like to arrest him, are you, you know, doing any precautions to make sure you can actually find him? You know, we know that he has gotten fake driver's licenses, fake social security numbers. He knows how to disguise himself. He's done this in the past, my God, since like the 90s or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just didn't realize that, which is probably pretty silly, but I, I just didn't think that he could just flee at any time. I mean, granted, you know, there's travel restrictions or whatever, but there's literally nothing preventing him from just leaving, leaving the state, leaving the country. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't. There's really nothing left here for him, and the pressure is just slowly building if I were him, I would think about trying to escape. Man, that's pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. He knows where I live. Like, it's not a secret. So it's, yeah, it's something I think about, you know, when you drive down the street or whatever. I, I see him in every 70-year-old man with gray hair that I see. And it's not fun. You know, it really sucks. I wish that he was back on probation. And his, like, his probation was pretty intense. Like, he... um. He, I spoke with this probation officer and this gentleman was like, I'm actually like retiring. Like I'm not going to be a probation officer anymore, but the one case I'm keeping is your dad's because I've built such a rapport with him and we believe that he's extremely dangerous. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And now he's just gone. Well, <sighs> stay safe. I mean, <laughs> the, the thing is like you, you've made such a, uh, you've made, you've created such noise around him. It, it would be, it'd be completely idiotic for for him to do any sort of retaliatory uh thing towards you like you said what he should do is just leave like that that's what that's what someone in his position should do don't give him any ideas no no i'm not i'm but but just trying to think like someone like that you know i mean yeah. he talked yeah. about taking me and fleeing to mexico right after Alyssa was gone like that thought's been in his head for a long time um he's just completely insane but yeah i mean i it's kind of like, because I, I grew up in the west side of Phoenix, so, like, I like to pretend I'm hard or whatever, so I think, like, if he were to come at me, I'm kind of like, I wish he would. Like, you know, he'd get caught then, and I tell that to his face. 
mom? I said, she would, because then you get caught. And he's like, caught for what? And I'm like, murdering my sister. Like, it's not a secret. All right, everyone. Well, uh, thank you for joining us this week on the Live Gossip Pod. Um, special treat with Sarah Turney. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us here today. This was a lot of fun. The, uh, the years flew by. Oh, my goodness. They <laughs> certainly did. All 45 of them. No, thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk to you guys. I Like, truth be told, when you were like, join us for a live stream, I didn't even ask what it was. I was just like, sure. And I was like, I think it's Gossip Pod. I have no idea. I'll just do anything with them. It's fine. Well, thank you. <laughs> nice. Good to hear. 